You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy. We're so glad that you joined us today on the podcast. Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Psalm 105. We had a few technical difficulties on Sunday. Uh, But our children read from Psalm 105, and I want to just encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible and turn there and pause this podcast and go ahead and read through Psalm 105 and then join us back for the message here in just a few moments. So go ahead and pause it and read through Psalm 105 and then press play and join us right back here for today's message. We are to be a people of praise. And so that's what I'm calling us to this month of November, a posture of praise. Praise is another way of saying thanksgiving. But the difference between praise and thanksgiving is this. Thanksgiving, we're normally thankful for a particular thing. The the thing that we love so much becomes the object which we've been given, and that becomes the object of our thanksgiving, our praise. When we talk about praise, we are not recognizing that which we've been given, but rather the one who gives. We're acknowledging that God is the one who is worthy of our praise. God is the object this morning of this psalm. And so what we've done is we've taken three different psalms. Last week, looking at Psalm 103, dealing with God's mercy. And I'm thankful for his mercy. Amen. How many of you this morning are thankful for God's mercy? And so we are. But this morning we come to a different topic altogether, and it's being thankful for God's covenant thankfulness, or covenant faithfulness, rather. Covenant faithfulness. And this psalm begins with a hymn. It's particular, a particular hymn from 1 Chronicles 16. And 1 Chronicles 16 is the story of when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to the people of God and put right back in its proper place. The sign of God's covenant to his people. And so David is really, uh, is really reminding us what it means to worship there in 1 Chronicles 16. But here the psalmist is reminding us of what it means to be reminded of that covenant faithfulness again and again and to trust in God's covenant faithfulness to us. He says that we are to praise the Lord there at the end. But all of that is built upon, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him. All of these words, these commands come to almost directly from first Chronicles 16. Notice who they're addressed to in verse six. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. All of these words, these commands, addressed to Israel. 
reminding them that they are to sing and to call upon the Lord and remember all that He had done for them. And then he says in verse 8, kind of sets the tone, He remembers His covenant forever, the word which He commanded for a thousand generations. And that is the theme of the rest of the psalm. As he begins to unpack what it means for God to have been faithful to His people. And you see it there again and again, and we're not going to take the time, nor do we really have the time this morning, to walk all the way through these stories. But God's covenant faithfulness to call out Abraham and to place him in this position where he would receive promise from God that he would be a father to many generations. You see that in, uh, that kind of hint in verse 8. That covenant made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac repeated again and again. Genesis 12, Genesis 26, over and over we see it. And then as you continue it forward, as he kept that covenant through Jacob and Joseph, ultimately into the people there in in Egypt as they were under oppression, eventually bringing all the plagues upon the people of Egypt and releasing them into uh, the, the, the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. He's reminding Israel of all that God has been faithful to do in their lives. And he reminds them that the result of that is that he is he is their God. Verse seven, it says he is the Lord, our God. It's not just any God, but he's their personal God, that his judgment goes throughout the whole earth. So there is no place in which he does not reign as sovereign And ultimately, that is a picture of that final phrase. That he remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Don't miss this this morning. God's covenant faithfulness to his people rightly demands the praise of his people. God's covenant faithfulness to his people rightly demands the praise of His people. Now that, of course, is true for the nation of Israel. All throughout the story, we have this reality of the covenant-keeping God. There are many times that Israel fell through on their side of the deal. Amen? Many times that Israel sinned in the presence of the Lord. They did wrong in the sight of the Lord again and again and again. But hear this, never... Not one time did God abandon His faithfulness to His side of the covenant. When God makes a promise, it is a promise that He intends to keep. And it's not just faithfulness faithfulness to the people, but faithfulness to His Word. The Bible says that God is not a man that He should lie. Our God always does what He promises to do. And that is good news this morning, isn't it? Is that not reason to praise the Lord? That He is always faithful to do what He says that He will do. Even when they did not feel the faithfulness of God in the moment. Certainly there were times when they experienced the plagues or they experienced defeat, armies rising up against them. And so they are told to remember Remember the Lord your God. Continue to remember that He has been faithful throughout the generations. The nature of this covenant that He had given to Abram is something He intended to keep. Genesis 12, 1-3 tells us that covenant 
that Abram would be a father of many nations. He would have many descendants. That he would be a blessing to the whole earth through those descendants. It was a promise of land, not just people, but land. Where the nation of Israel would have a land which would be their own, the people of God. And not only land, but there would be redemption and ultimate rest there. You see, the the promise to Abram seems like, as we read on in the story, that it had fallen away, the people enslaved in Egypt. But even there, God would rescue His people. Moses would come as the servant of the Lord and he would lead the children of Israel out of bondage and into freedom and into ultimately the wilderness and and then Joshua into the promised land. God would renew his covenant, but this time it would be conditional upon the people and their obedience. And we have the story again and again of Israel turning their backs on the Lord, but he would renew that covenant once again in David. When he promised uh, worship being restored in a kingdom that would have no end and a Messiah that would come. And so Israel knew about the faithfulness of God. As we sing this morning and we read those stories all throughout Scripture about God's faithfulness, can we not sing together, Great is Thy faithfulness? Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed... Thy hand hath provided, great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. We can surely say that and sing that together this morning. But Israel was not faithful. God who was faithful to them did not receive faithfulness in return. If you only flip to the next psalm, you'll see it. Psalm 106 and verse 6. And all throughout the rest of this psalm, he says, We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonder. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea, even as God had made promise to them again and again and again. They proved unfaithful to the Lord. The the interesting thing about God's wonderful faithfulness is it tends to reveal something about the nature of man. And that is that Israel had turned their backs on God and demonstrated that although a faithful God had been there for them, they, in fact, turned away from Him. Nevertheless, He remained faithful. Now, that is a wonderful story about what God has done in the past. So what does it mean for us today? Imagine if toward the end of Psalm 105 the psalmist were to keep writing. It says that he rem- for he remembered his holy promise and Abram, his servant, he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness, and he gave them the land of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations and they, that they might observe his statutes and keep his law. Praise the Lord. Period. However, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again. And again and again, and the kingdom fell. And we enter into this period where there was silence, utter silence from the Lord, and it would appear that His faithfulness had come to an end until the the psalm picked up again with Matthew 1 and verse 1. You see, the covenant faithfulness of God did not stop with the people of the Old Testament. In fact, you and I 
who are in Christ come into the same covenant faithfulness of the Lord. Galatians 6 tells us that just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. He didn't say those who are of Israel. He said those who are of faith. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Now, don't miss that. The promise in Genesis 12 was not a promise just to the people of Israel. It was actually the gospel preached in the Old Testament. So the promise given to Abraham was the promise given ultimately to all of the people of God, including the church as we are grafted in. So you and I experience the same covenant faithfulness in this psalm that the people of God experienced in their day. That is a really profound reality that changes the way we understand all about the Bible. Think about it. He said in Jeremiah 31 that there was going to be a new covenant, not the covenant of Abraham in the sense that it was going to be fulfilled through the law, but the covenant of Abraham in the sense that it was going to be fulfilled in Christ. You and I get to experience that same promise of a blessing to all the earth and the land, the ultimate rest of God in the, the, the place of the promised land. And then ultimately we experience all of the promises of Abraham that he enjoyed because there's a new covenant written not upon tablets of stone, but our hearts. Jesus at the Lord's Supper said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is given for you. And so Jesus, despite the unfaithfulness of Israel keeps His covenant with His people. We have a covenant-keeping God that does not depend upon our faithfulness, but gives His faithfulness despite our faithlessness. That's the good news of the Gospel. Because you and I are forever unfaithful. We turn our backs on God and have done so from our very birth. We need God to keep what we could never keep. And so He takes all of the promises made to Abraham and He applies them to us. In Abram, all the, the descendants of the earth, all of those who by faith trust Jesus, find blessing in God. In Abraham, we are receiving a promised land. We are not there yet. We are pilgrims and strangers passing through. But we receive that promise of the land, that place of rest when we spend eternity with Christ. All that this rescue and redemption provided. When he promised that even though there was going to be this sinfulness, that God was going to redeem his people, he has redeemed us in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is good news and worthy of praise this morning. And it means that God has in fact extended His faithfulness to us. And so we have the New Testament saying things like these. This is a faithful saying. This is 2 Timothy. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Our God remains 
faithful or first Corinthians one that describes the same kind of grace of God says that 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 God concerning us for the grace of God, which was given to us by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. In Jesus, we receive the same faithfulness of God. And so you and I have a faithful God this morning. There there are stories all across this room of how God has been faithful to you. You say to me, Pastor... I could tell you story after story about how God has been faithful to me. Is that you this morning? Got that story? Any of you this morning? God has been faithful to us. Certainly it wasn't because of us doing anything for Him, but rather His gracious love toward us. So if all of that's true, then what should be the response of God's people? How do we ultimately respond to Him In the midst of His covenant faithfulness, the psalmist gives us what in reality are eight different commands. There's more than that, but a few of them are parallel with one another. Eight different commands, and these really become characteristics of those who are Uh, who have a posture of praise. How do you have a posture of praise? And they're there at the beginning of this psalm, Psalm 105. So the first one is give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. It's not just a feeling about being thankful. It's an action of rendering thankfulness to God. So notice it there, the very, very first verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. How many of you would say there have been days in your life, days in my life, where I do not feel thankful. There are lots of things going on in my life and and everything seems to be going wrong. And I just, I don't, if I'm honest, I don't thank God for that. I don't feel thankful in my heart that God laid this disease upon me. I don't feel thankful in my heart that God would allow this calamity to come upon me. I don't feel thankful in my heart that God would allow this kind of loss in my life. I don't feel thankful for that. And I want to just tell you that's because our feelings are ultimately broken and we don't see life the way God sees it. But God is good, amen? And God is doing good for His people. And when we do not see it, we must trust Him. That's why the psalmist says, give thanks. Render thanks. It's an action. And it means that there is expression that accompanies that action. It's really a sad thing whenever God's people get so rote and routine that they stop expressing gratitude toward God. When we gather in this place on Sunday mornings, as we sing to the Lord, it is expression of gratitude. It's an opportunity to say back to the Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. How do we express How do we express thankfulness to the Lord? The psalmist doesn't mention anything here, but as you unpack from the rest of God's Word, you see a lot of different things. It begins really in obedience. As you know that 
everything you have is the Lord's, you turn back and say, my life is yours to do with whatever you please. God, I'm going to obey you in what you tell me to do. When you're not thankful for something, you don't want anything to do with it. But when you're thankful for the activity of God in your life, then you want to do what He's commanded you to do. Give thanks. Express it through obedience and worship. Obedience, worship, giving. There's a number of different ways that we express thanks to God. And he lists some others as we'll come to in a few moments. The reality at the end of the day is that we express this, thanks, this thankfulness to the Lord even when we don't feel it. Sometimes you've got to pray yourself into a feeling of thankfulness. Secondly, he says, call out to God. So give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. And the idea there is prayer. That we would cry out to Him. That we would call out to Him in prayer, spending time with Him. Communicating, communing with God, fellowshipping with God. That is the idea. But this calling out carries with it this tone of a sinner's cry. A sinner's plea. As you read in the very next psalm, Israel was consistently reminded that they had sinned against God. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are here and you're breathing and you've been born, then you are a sinner. You've sinned against God. And there are times when we are unthankful toward Him and it's simply our hearts that need to turn in repentance toward Him. We need to cry out and ask the Lord to forgive us for where we have been ungrateful. Call upon His name. But it also carries with it the idea of fellowship. You want to be thankful with the Lord or thankful for the Lord? Then you've got to spend time with Him. You've got to spend time in His Word and spend time in prayer with Him every single day. Your thankfulness will only come in proportion to your devotional life with Him. And it is petition. It's crying out, asking the Lord to do things. Many of us have been praying this week for the church there at Sutherland Springs, asking the Lord on their behalf. I don't, I don't know if you read much of the news report about it, but the pastor uh, was out of town for the day and over half the congregation lost their lives. One of those was his 14-year-old daughter. And it's a challenge when you come to those kinds of things and you don't know how to thank God for what He's done. I mean, can you imagine? I don't know what worship looks like this morning at First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, but they're followers of Jesus. I can imagine that there is an outcry to a holy God, a, a petition. God, would you act and bring comfort to our hearts where they have been broken and where we don't feel thankful. And God, would you do something great Something mysterious that we can't even understand. God, would you do that through your gospel in our town and in our in our state and ultimately in the nation because of this act? It's it's an unbelievable thing how God can take tragedy and make something incredible out of it for the gospel. And our hearts go out to them, but we cry out to God in thanksgiving. God, we don't know how to thank You for this, but we thank You for what You're doing in our lives when we don't see and we don't understand. So we call out to You. Give thanks to God. Call out to God. Number three, speak out for God. If you are thankful, if you have a posture of praise, you're doing these things, 
You're giving thanks. You're expressing it to Him. You're calling out to Him often. And you're speaking out for Him often. Notice there, it says to, uh, to make known His deeds among the peoples. The peoples, the description there is not just any peoples, but the nations around them. And for us, as we think about the nations, uh, America certainly is one nation, but there are many nations underneath that same banner. And the concept is for Israel, if they really believe that God has done great things for them, well, then tell all of the people around them about it, that God has, in fact, done great things. So an evidence of the praise of God's people is that they were telling people about that. The same is true for us. The nations are all around us. Everywhere you look. I was just reading, watching another video on Clarkston, Georgia, and there are other places like it, where there's many different nations there in one town. Nam has been putting some things out about it. Great place to go and to, to see that the nations are here with us. But if we really, if we really praise God, guess what it results in? Mission. If we really have a posture of praise, it results in us telling people about this great God that we have. When we sing, how great is our God, He's the name above every other name. That's the result. And friend, I want to just tell you this morning, if you're not, if you don't have a discipline in your life of telling people about Jesus and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not living in obedience to Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, that says go and make disciples, then friend, you don't have a posture of praise. You're not as thankful as you think you are because it ultimately results in missional obedience. Speak out for God. We call that in our vision to multiply. Multiply the life of Christ and others to the ends of the earth. Number four, sing praise to God. Sing praise to God. How many of you like to sing? How many of you like to try to sing? How many of you wish the person next to you wouldn't sing? <laughs> um, you know, you know. How many of you are glad when we get to heaven we're going to have a glorified body and our voices are probably going to sound a whole lot better? Yeah, yeah. Here's the reality. God's not concerned as much about the tone of the voice as He is the expression of the heart. And I want to just say to you, sing from the bottom of your heart. Whether it's on key or off key, doesn't make any difference in the world. You give a sacrifice of song to the Lord. Sing praises to His name. My kids will tell you we we strive, I strive um, to lead my home in song in a way that would lead our children to sing about the Lord when we come home on Sunday afternoons and beginning throughout our week. The songs we sang as the gathered church are the songs they're singing during their week. Yeah, there's a lot of other music we could play, and I don't even want to go down that path. But at the end of the day, the song on their hearts and the song on their lips are the songs of praise. What if, what if we were so overwhelmed 
with the faithfulness of God and what He's done in our lives and how He has continued to remember His covenant of promise to save us even when we've been so stubborn and so selfish and so prideful that we would just simply sing in glorious praise all the time. Walk through Walmart. You're going to find me singing one day. Walk through Walmart singing praises to the Lord. People are going to look at you like you're nuts, but you'll be able to talk about Jesus. Try, try it. Try it this week. You go to Walmart tomorrow morning, do your grocery shopping tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, whenever that looks like, and you start singing what we sang this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. It's amazing what that will do to a Walmart parking lot late at night. Anyway. Number five. Y'all aren't listening fast enough. Number five. Give testimony of God. Give testimony of God. It says, talk of all His wondrous works. Now, this is really two different ideas. On the one hand, it's talk of His Word, right? So we have the promises of God in His Word and what He's done in time past. At the same time, it's give personal testimony of what He's doing today. So, for instance, we're told in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's the singing portion. Singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So we're giving testimony to one another. Listen, there is a dangerous tendency for people to get so wrapped up in what's not going right in their life and talk about all of those things and the woe is me and have everybody join their pity party instead of making much of what God is doing in our lives that we can praise Him for. The overall tone of God's people ought to be not negative, but positive about what God's doing in their life. And the only reason it doesn't happen is either A, we get so caught up in our own selfish little world, or B, that we become so blinded by our own suffering and tragedy that we can't see the good in life any longer. If nothing else, God has saved you. If nothing else, there's light at the end of the tunnel because the tunnel, though it may be dark, is ending in great and glorious hope. So you have no reason to be downcast. Why are you cast down on my soul, the psalmist says? You you don't have any reason. Yes, it comes and goes. Yes, you're going to experience that in your life. But at the end of the day, you can say in this psalm, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give testimony of God. Number six, the sixth thing he says is rejoice in knowing God. And this is kind of one of those parallel ideas. Rejoice in knowing God. He says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. And the word glory is the idea of boasting, celebrating, making much of, saying, yeah, God is God is awesome. I mean, we did a lot of boasting last night, probably on Facebook more than uh, we should have, um, uh, you know, and we boast in football teams and we boast in our children. But oh, that we would boast in the cross of Christ. Oh, that we would glory in the name of God. Rejoice in knowing that we get to know him. Celebrate that. It's a picture of the heart wanting to rejoice in God. 
but it's being held back by all the things of this earth. And so we let loose those things that we might find more joy in God. Jeremiah 9 says that let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Some of you are smart. Praise God for that. Don't glory in it. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Some of you are strong. Don't glory in that. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Some of you are rich. The rest of us, no. <laughs> but don't glory in that. Let him who glories glory in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in all the earth. For these I delight. In these I delight, says the Lord. We glory in knowing God. Do you realize that's not possible apart from Jesus? You realize apart from His shed blood that we have no forgiveness of sins and we are eternally separated from God. And so the reality of the Gospel is good news that you and I get to know God. Number seven. Number seven, he says, seek the help of God. He says, seek His Strength and seek His face. Two different things, but it's the reality of needing Him. We need Him. You and I aren't strong enough to do it on our own. And when we realize that we can look to the hills from where our help comes from and we see the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth, then you and I know we have a, a, a place of praise. Because no matter what comes our way, our help is in God, our Creator and our Savior. And finally, number eight. Remember the works of God. Verse number five, he says, remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember those things. Seems somewhat ridiculous to urge the people of God to remember what God has done in their life. But we are so prone to forget, aren't we? And I don't mean that we cognitively, intellectually forget that it happened. As in we can't call it to memory. We forget how extremely weighty and valuable and glorious the things that God has done in our past are. If nothing else, again, in our salvation. But He has done great things. Even if God did nothing else for you, He would still be worthy of your praise. And yet, we have a God who is ever living and Jesus who is interceding before, for us before the throne of God such that He is preparing things for us that we can't even think or imagine He is worthy of our praise because He is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I've never experienced that faithfulness. In fact, I kind of feel alone in my life. I don't know where God is. I want to tell you this morning that it's not because God has in any way abandoned you. 
but because you have turned your back against Him. And the result is that the world is broken and your life is broken and separated from God. And you need a covenant-keeping God to act for you. The response is this. You can't just expect to get it. No, we, we have to make a conscious choice. The only way that we experience the faithfulness of God is through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father or to the covenant-keeping Father except through Him. And that doesn't mean that you just simply believe the fact of something that happened 2,000 years ago. But that you surrender your life to knowing God. Trusting Him by faith. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, we want to extend that invitation to you. The opportunity for you to know God and experience His faithfulness in your life. Greatest thing that could ever happen this holiday season this year is that Thanksgiving wouldn't be a holiday for you anymore, but a lifestyle because you know the God of heaven. You'll simply repent from your, your sin this morning. Return to the Lord. By faith, He'll save you. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if that's you this morning, in just a few moments when we stand, you need to step out of where you'll be standing. You need to come to this altar. And say, Pastor, I just want to follow Jesus. There's others of you here this morning. You need to pray for other reasons. Just need to spend some time at the altar or pray with someone, for someone. Maybe some of you here this morning need to make other decisions. But all across the room, as we stand, I'm going to pray. And you need to move this morning and respond to God in obedience. Father, have Your way in this place. Lord, I pray that You would show Yourself this morning as the real covenant keeper. And we as covenant breakers would surrender to You all that we are. In Jesus' name, Amen. You come as we sing. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.